You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, true to the bubbly that this Maison produces, Madame Clicquot's story is one of boldness, it's one of creativity, it's uh, full of entrepreneurial spirit. Because back in 1805, at just the tender age of 27, she took the reins of Verve Clicquot after the death of her husband at a time when, let's face it, women could neither work nor hold a bank account. It's 1805, and uh, she is now revered as one of the first businesswomen of modern times. Madame Clicquot's focus on new opportunities and a willingness to take risks as she expanded her business to all four corners of the world really set the stage for the brand's support of woman entrepreneurship to this day. Now, the Maison unveiled its first international women's entrepreneurship barometer study back in June of 2019 and has just released the second study, the Verve Clicquot 2020 Barometer, which was conducted across 17 countries as the COVID crisis exerted pressure on global cultures and economies and really updated the status of women entrepreneurs across the world and is, I think, a useful guide into women entrepreneurship. I'm joined now by one of South Africa's leading women entrepreneurs and a panelist at the recent Verve Clicquot Bold Conversations experience and a businesswoman I came to know on a trip uh, with property analysts to Poland a few years ago. Uh, the yes. CEO of uh, Uyandiswa, Amanda Dambuza. Amanda, it's been a long time since we last spoke. What happens in Poland stays in Poland. And that's just because <laughs> property analysts like to party. How have you been keeping? I have been very well. I could really use one of those Polish parties. <laughs> <laughs> that Polish it's vodka. Nice yeah, that, we did indulge. I can reveal that we did indulge in uh, in the Polish hospitality. We, we went hard and we played hard, as, <laughs> Absolutely. Wa- as one does. Hey, Absolutely. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well, thank you. And, uh, and just happy to be getting through this side of the pandemic. The vaccine is being rolled out all over the world, admittedly yeah. slowly here in South Africa, but we're over a million now. And one really feels like we're starting to emerge on the other side. Talk to me about yeah. this uh, this bold conversations by Verve Clicquot, because it really is, it's about focusing on female leaders in South Africa. Can you just elaborate further around the purpose of this platform? Oh, absolutely. So bold conversations is actually a, a, a platform. Um, it's, it's, it's a platform which provides women entrepreneurs around the world with the opportunity to openly debate the, the state of women entrepreneurship. And, and it's really around openly discussing common prejudices, mental and structural barriers to, to, to just overcome. I think it also allows women to realize that they're not the only ones uh, dealing with, with certain challenges. I mean, as you said, it, there's this, this, this platform is, is around 17 countries at the back of the barometer study. And we really get to see what are women suffering? What are their preconceptions? How can we break those down? And how can we remove those barriers and provide support and training to enable women to move forward? What I like about bold conversations is that it's not just talk, you yeah. know, because, yeah, we can all gather around and talk and, and have lots of bubble, bubbles and, you know, <laughs> have a fantastic time. It's there then what? Yeah. So, so what bold conversations seeks to do is, is make sure that women are supported and that they can themselves push forward with their own entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship journey. Now, I mentioned it earlier on, and it's so important uh, that you mentioned this idea of uh, connecting entrepreneurs to other entrepreneurs, because I think very often entrepreneurship feels lonely, specifically yes. in a pandemic when you've been isolating. But I'm not sure how many people would have been aware of Madame Clicquot's story and how her legacy yeah. actually sets the stage for the brand support for women entrepreneurship to this day. Just to share exactly how. 
Uh, Madam Clicker is to me what I call, you know, these days, hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> she really was just an amazing woman. Um, and and at, at just at 10, uh, 27 years of age, at a time when women couldn't work or even hold a, a bank account, she took over the Mason, she took over the running of the house from, from uh, her husband who had, who had passed away. But, you know, she, she was bold, she was audacious, she was determined, and she was really tenacious. And she pioneered so many innovations. So this idea that women are not innovative, and she just shattered that at a time when women were not even considered um, uh, in, in, in business spheres. She, you know, she became, some of these innovations became the hallmark of champagne houses, I mean, all around. Um, that, that, you know, when you're holding that glass and you see how crystal clear the champagne is, she came up with that, with that method. She was behind that. She was behind the first blended rosé champagne, you know, she she was she was also just she just pushed through boundaries. Yeah. And and you know, I, I had the great opportunity of, of uh, actually experiencing some of these processes at Verve Clico in France. Uh, I know. <laughs> you can be jealous now. <laughs> now there, there there are some reckies that uh, one cannot turn down. That is right up there. Absolutely. And, you know, she, she was also behind the, the first recorded vintage champagne. You know, so she pushed through um, everything. And with that of audacity, I mean, that inspired women the world over. So so the house's DNA is really embedded in, in women entrepreneurship and supporting women. It's a remarkable story. I think I'm going to get over to France just to uh, do that tour myself <laughs> as well. And the brand, I mean, you say it's part of the DNA. It really is. The second yeah. study uh, is all about unpacking these issues around uh, entrepreneurship for, for women. And it was obviously conducted in the heat of COVID and all the pressures that we were all feeling, we were all feeling upended, yeah. and uh, it, it's providing uh, something of a rare tool, I think, for the community—a real, true understanding of the state of women entrepreneurship. What are some yeah. of the the statistics or the highlights that stand out for you? Well, Michael, it's really heart heartwarming for me to see that um, South Africa has the highest level of women entrepreneurship amongst all the seventeen countries in Asia. I mean, I'm talking about countries like Japan, France, Belgium, South Korea, you name it. Um, South Africa is a country where entrepreneurship is more the rule than the exception. And, and we've, we've also seen that more than half of South African women, in fact, about 54%, consider themselves entrepreneurs. And, 20, and 92% of, of South African entrepreneurs started a business versus taking over an existing one. So that just shows you that we are bold and we know how to take risks, or at least we are willing to take risks. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, this is testament to, to really the undying spirit and, and risk tolerance of South African women who, who just refuse to be boxed and, and, and and they take ownership of their destiny. And, and that for me is really, really, really heartwarming. Of course, we still have to kind of balance that with the fact that uh, some women still find it difficult for, for, to succeed in business. So they feel like, you know, you have to be like a man in order for you to be recognized or succeed. But it, but it is heartwarming. It, it is heartwarming is indeed, because that risk tolerance <laughs> is one of the key ingredients, I think, culturally, if you are to have a successful entrepreneurial um, society. But to your point about 
the difficulties, one of the, yeah. the, the barometer findings that uh, jumps out at me is that 60% of women feel that it's much harder for a woman than a man to balance Ooh. work and family life. I can agree with that because I, I still think there are gender roles around raising children, about yeah. you know those kind of stereotypical familiar roles that place an additional burden. D- have you found yeah. it like that? Do you agree that's harder for a woman than a man to balance this uh, work-family life uh, equation? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I really think so. Um, and I think it is, it is largely harder for women to pursue their ambition whilst meeting those demands of, 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 um, and, and the demanding needs of their families. And, and I really think it boils down to the notion of roles in the family setting. Mm. And, and if we start to only challenge the preconceptions that caring for a family is a woman's job, you know, then, then we are well on our way, I think, to, to making some progress. And, and I think that we as women also have to challenge our own mental models of what women can and cannot do. Because, you know, we are part of the same society that, 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 that has come up with these preconceptions. And, and in our own homes, we should drive towards, you know, a reality where caring for the family is not just a woman's job. And, and we should also be seeking more integration and, and what I believe is a mutually beneficial relationship between our work and family. Because it is proven that where, where, where women work, families do thrive. And, you know, as a as a father of two young girls, I grapple with this all the time because it does, as you say, it starts in, in your own home. How yeah. do you socialize your children into approaching their particular roles in society? And you, you kind of fret at the four-year-old birthday party, what kind of doll am I going to get and what message is that going to be sending out? And, and yeah. it's as early as that that you really start to shape and mold our, uh, our cultural perceptions around these things are so important for households to, to to really be frank and and to seek a balance here between our work and family and not to really pigeonhole an individual into one particular role. Now, another interesting finding was almost 60% of women entrepreneurs report growing more confident in their business dealings and 63% say they're more professionally bold than before the crisis. If you look at their male entrepreneurial counterparts, they agree about equally. Do you feel more professionally bold now than before the crisis? I guess, Michael, when you've had what we call a near-death experience, um, and I guess this is as a collective, we are having that. Mm. And some of us can say near-death because we are here. We're still here, at least. You know, sadly, some have lost their lives. So I guess when you've had a, a near-death experience like the one we're having, you are more inclined to pursue your dreams with, with conviction. Um, your perspective of life changes. And, and I really resonate with this particular result of the barometer. That it put. It, you know, even I had to boldly adapt to changing circumstances. You, can no, you no longer think something can wait till tomorrow. You know, I also had to start thinking about the long about the longevity. Business, which means calls, um, but you know it's calls that 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 way that way what my business survives. In fact, probably calls I should have, but I didn't feel bold enough to make. So, so you know, you start thinking about the longevity of the business and the legacy you're trying to leave behind, and and you know it's it, it's all about continuing to create jobs at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, you may find you have to cut back, and and unfortunately, staff costs is only the the first place small businesses go to. But, you know, if the aim is to set up the, the business such that in the future you can continue to create jobs, then you make those tough calls. 
So, so you know, and, and I, I really think that I've started to feel bold enough to explore also you know, investing in industries that, that typically I wouldn't have considered to invest in. I'm starting to look at, okay, what are the, what are the businesses of the future? And, and start to invest in those and also infuse some of those models that they, they, they apply in their businesses, infuse them into my business. So I definitely think I've definitely grown bolder. Wow, it is amazing how crisis does, uh, it, it reveals, I think, a lot of resilience. Uh, it, it can sharpen it, but I think very often it's in that response that your own response is uh, revealed to you and, and often challenges p- potential preconceptions that you may have had. And uh, I was chatting to Simone Cooper of um, Business Banking at Standard Bank recently just about their book and, and what surprised her about the book. And she said it was resilience amongst entrepreneurs, uh, both men and women, who were able to do exactly what you just said. You know, look at their costs, look at an uncertain future with uncertain cash flows. Don't go and overgear yourself. Ensure that you are sustainable and you can survive the crisis so that you live to fight another day and you can employ into the future. Now, the role of networking and mentorship, I think, is yeah. is very interesting. Increasingly in a, a digital environment where I suppose we could Zoom and we can team, but is it the same? And, and you look at the barometer finding here, 90% of women and 90% of men agree that mentorship is absolutely key. If you aspire to be an entrepreneur, then you need mentors. Do you have or do you still have mentors? And what sort of role have they played in your particular journey, Amanda? I've actually been a mentor. And um, I've, I've been blessed to can can go to you know for advice. So I've had what I would call um, advisors, you know, and um, advisory depending on what I'm doing. I mean, I even had one of my husbands who had, who would advise me on some of the business transactions that I would embark on. Uh, so I've always had some kind of access to people who can advise me, but never a formal mentor. I am the a mentor to many women entrepreneurs, as I believe that I have amassed, um, you know, many valuable lessons over a long period. Of time. Uh, and it, it is time-consuming, obviously, to be a mentor. And due to capacity constraints, I, I no longer take on additional one-on-one mentor, mentees anymore. I mean, I just continue with the ones I have. And I also incubate businesses, women businesses into my own business, and I, I mentor those. But I, I created a platform on, on YouTube called Vastly Sage where I can actually do mentorship there once a month. And as and when I get these questions, then I just, you know, clump them together and, and, and do a two-hour session. So it is very important to have that person that, you know, you can bounce off ideas and and just check your own your own uh, perspective and your own outlook on life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've created multiple platforms where I can also bring in other guests who can advise. You know, and and we tackle worthy and often hard topics. Um, and and the idea is to really provide practical solutions, which which our viewers, both on on the YouTube channel and the, um, uh, I host an annual branch as well. You know, they they can they can integrate practical things into their everyday uh, lives just to improve and transform them you know and and access to 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 my mentorship platform on youtube is free so you know and 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 i do it as i i fit it into my schedule now but you know the most important thing about about mentorship that i must just say is that you know it is the responsibility of the mentee to make sure that they're very clear about what they're trying to get out of that Mm. relationship because nobody has time 
So when somebody does eventually give you their one hour or two hours, you must just be very clear and get to the point. What are you trying to achieve? What have you done already? And how can they help you? It's absolute gold dust. I was going to say, for someone who didn't have uh, uh, an official mentor or more advisors, uh, you've delivered sort of mentorship on steroids, using technology (laughs) to broaden your reach. But it's such a critical service to give to those who are still to come behind you once you've arrived. But it, the the challenge often, the difficulty is finding that time, finding the time to be that uh, individual. Uh, and so I think really critical that uh, the mentees take on board what you've just said. Be very clear about what you want to get out of this particular mentor-mentee relationship. And then lastly, um, a very interesting finding on, on resilience as well. Women increasingly say they're the ones in control of their professional uh, destiny, up uh, 3% to 96% in the study, and fewer report feeling undeserving of the professional situation. And I do think there's often this sort of imposter syndrome, uh, depending on where you sit. How have you adapted over time to feel more in control of your own professional destiny? Well, I mean, Michael, nothing says I am in control of my professional destiny um, more than being an entrepreneur. You know, your your reward and recognition is, is directly correlated to, to your own efforts. You know, you, you own your time and, and, and I mean we've we've already spoken about, you know, how it, it is quite hard for women to balance work and their lives at home or their family agenda. So, you know, it's it's important for me to own my time and, and I can therefore decide how I, I prioritize the things that I have to do. And that flexibility is so important. And, you know, you, you set your own agenda. And, and I really think nothing could be more, more empowering. I left my corporate job more than seven years ago. And for me, that was really the first step, to, first step towards owning my destiny. And also just spreading my, my time between my charitable causes, my family, as well as running successful businesses, as well as the, the things that really matter to me and how I, I, I help transform people's lives and, and empower women around me particularly and in my ecosystem. So, you know, I also make sure that I set my business up such that it can continue to operate, um, even when I'm not around. So I hire good people who can self-manage because it can be depressing when you're in a business and, and you know, it's just consuming you and, and you can't you don't can't even have time to breathe. So from the end onset, um, my aim was to own my destiny and entrepreneurship journey was challenging. It really has given me um, exactly the space that I needed to, to drive an agenda determined by myself. And this way, I'm clear about the direction my life is taking. And, and to me, my independence is everything. And, and I just think this, this entrepreneurship journey is more, is more calling than, than something that you just decide, oh, I'm just going to yeah. do that for fun. Well, you it know? has to be. It, it has to be, Amanda, <laughs> because what we often talk about and on business platforms such as, uh, such as my own, we, we like to glamorize and glorify the entrepreneur once they've succeeded. What we don't talk about is what's underneath that iceberg. That's just the tip. Underneath is the self-doubt, is the personal relationships that often get affected with this relentless pursuit and drive to be an entrepreneur, the blood, sweat and tears, the all of that, which is very, very, very difficult. And unless you have that vision, unless you have that idea that this is going to give you your purpose, your personal freedom, then I don't think you've equipped yourself mentally with the right tools in order to cope with what is probably the toughest thing in the world, and that is entrepreneurship. But when you get there, as you've just uh, outlined, probably the most rewarding and satisfying. Amanda, I think the only thing is uh, left to say is Nastarovia. Thank you very much for your time. (laughs) 
I will. I'll see you in Poland again. <laughs> Hopefully soon when we're all vaccinated. Soon, yeah. Amanda, thank you. Thank you, thank you Michael. Thank you very much.